We're going to enter into a time of teaching now and invite you to open your Bibles, if you would, to the 119th Psalm as we've been reading from earlier today as well. If you are using a pew Bible in front of us, in front of you, use, use guys, uh, it's page number 512. Uh, if you're just joining us, my name is Paul, and I'm one of the ministers on staff here, and we're here, 2021. Uh, I've used several playful jabs from stage before about how every time it comes to the first Sunday of a new year, because something that I find interesting or odd or just quirky about humans is how obsessed we seem to be with a new year, that somehow a new year represents change, that uh, as if the calendar is the solution to all of our problems. Flipping a page on a calendar is supposed to put out the fires in our lives, but uh, we're going to wake up with the same problems tomorrow as we have today, and... uh, because I'm not sure change is uh, always, it's not something that can always be forced. And we're constantly seeking it. We are constantly seeking change. And I'm not sure change is exactly what we need. Because I think that uh, what has driven me to this psalm is that we need to take another look at something that does not need to change. And that is the word of God. Because the world is not telling us the truth. Our culture is constantly trying to shift the sands around us to try to even convince us that the very idea of absolute truth is a lie. The idea of moral relativism is gaining more and more steam, meaning that, you know, what's right for me may not necessarily be right for you. And so I can't sit here and judge somebody else. Our world is so twisted that even the idea of something being true is under attack. And that's what kind of drove me towards the study of Psalm 119 today, because when we read the Psalms, we see that these new and terrifying problems that we face in the world today are, they might be terrifying, but they're not new. They are the same problems we have always had. The world has always had this problem. They're just putting on different clothes. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in this psaltery. Uh, That's a fancy word for psalm book, so if you want to impress your friends later on, just tell them, hey, do you know the psaltery? And you can say that you do. Uh, But uh, it's the hymn book of ancient Israel. This psalm is 176 verses long, so strap in. We're going to be here for about three hours. Um, But um, but no, it's it's actually broken up into 22 separate eight-verse psalms, like mini-psalms, and uh, each one of them starts, it's a 20, 22 different sections, and each one starts with a, the different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So if we were to put this in our context, this would be like the first one starts with A, the second one's B, and so on and so forth. And I mention all of this just to point out the fact that this was all very carefully crafted. It was put together by a, mans- uh, a master composition. It wasn't some guy writing down you know, the, the lyrics to a love song on a, on a cocktail napkin. This was... Uh, centered all around one theme very carefully, and that theme is the word of the Lord. And I think that it'd be worth your time in this new year uh, on, to dedicate yourself to reading the 119th Psalm in its entirety. Because, I mean, it's going to take some time, and, and all of that you read is not going to land the first time. So I would do it many times, because you're going to pick up pieces of it every different day that are going to strike you very differently. 
And so I, today, I actually kind of want to just highlight a few things that I picked up from this text. Again, because we can't uh, handle the whole thing, but I want to share that with us as we begin this new year. The first principle that I want us to focus on today, on today is just, it's kind of zooming out, but this idea of the Bible being the Word of God. We throw this out there all the time without ever really thinking about what we are saying, is that the Bible is the Word of God. It's not just words about God. It is the word of God. He is communicating to us. God is revealing himself to us through the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to start with verses 1 through 4. Here we go. Yeah. There, John, if you could go ahead and advance the slide. Verses 1 through 4. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. We read here that the scriptures are the law of the Lord. And what I want to point out here is that all the scriptures, the entirety of this book is to show what God's standard is for all of us. You don't get to take the salad bar approach to the word. You don't get to just take a little bit of here, I like this, and I like this, and that's what I'm going to take for my meal. No, the entire book applies to everybody. Everyone who wants to be called God's children. And I mention this because someone who I once respected, uh, I saw them on uh, Facebook recently talk about how Christians today are just trying to uh, discern for themselves what some ancient text uh, once meant something to some people a while ago. No, the Word of God is a living and active book that continues to change lives today. The law of God is still the authority today. And in these first four verses, there's four different titles that we read about the Bible. It says the law of the Lord. And here's the thing. Is that it's the law of the Lord. It is his precepts, his testimonies. It is all talking about everything. The, for every one of these pronouns that we have, they all belong to God. They are not ours. We don't get to vote on them. We don't get to change them. We don't get to negate them. They come from God, and it's up to us to either accept them or to reject the scriptures. And with that, we either accept or reject the one who spoke them. So yes, the Bible is an ancient text, that is true, but the words inside of it are also still true today. As we read towards the end of the psalm in verse 151, it says, but you are near, O Lord. Oh, there it is. Thank you. I'm here on top of John. All right, but you are near, O Lord, and all of your commandments are true. The world is fascinated by this idea of God being a God of love. They always like, again, you always really like, oh, God and Jesus, his message was all about love, right? In a sermon, Dr. Timothy Keller said it this way, that when you say to the world that God is a God of love, that is not what brings you in a head-on collision with culture. But when you say God is a God of truth, that does the trick. If you speak with a non-believer, if, and if you reveal that you go to church, rarely are they just going to you know, spit in your eye and throw a rock at you. They say, well, that's good for you. But when the law of God reveals things in our lives that we would have to change if we were to accept its truth, then that's where the problem is. As a priest in that wonderfully deep theological movie, Rudy, uh, as he said, I have learned two things in life. Number one, that there is a God. And number two, I'm not him. So I want to have a group therapy session this morning. I want to see if anyone else is honest. Uh, uh, but... 
tell me, raise your hand if you're with me. I don't like having a boss. Yes, okay. I don't like having authority over me. And my kids are raising their hand, thankfully. All right, but too bad. <laughs> but, uh, but because acknowledging the existence of an all-powerful God means that I have to adjust my life in response to that. This is how bad it is these days. Because I've heard in interviews with doctors that, and, and they confess some of the frustrations of their job, that they have to actively monitor the things that they will talk with about their, they'll talk to their patients about. And because some insurance companies and possibly even Medicare, they will adjust the reimbursement rates that the doctors receive based on the results of a patient satisfaction survey. survey. Let's talk about how insane that is. Because a medical doctor, someone who went through more than a decade of education and probably close to a million dollars in debt, did all that to learn about the human body. And they are, they're dealing with a patient whose lifestyle choices, be it food or alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, the doctor will hesitate to tell that person what it is that they need to change because they are on a path of destruction. Because if they do, the patient won't be happy. The doctor will hurt their feelings. So that they're going to give them the equivalent of a bad Yelp review and the doctor will then make less money. How crazy is that? Because what is the doctor's motive? Do they hate you? Do they get some strange pleasure out of shaming you? No, they know the human body. They know the choices that are going to help you and the ones that will hurt you. And so you need to listen to them if you want to, you know, I don't know, keep living and stuff. You kind of have to listen to your doctor. And so I ask us, church, why is it that we gather and we study the word of God every morning? Or every morning, it should be every morning, but every Sunday morning. Is God king? And if we agree on that truth then everything he says has authority, right? And does that authority stop when it doesn't make us feel good? God is holy and righteous, and everything that he says in the scriptures is still relevant today. And so if we believe in the sovereignty of God, we believe that God was in control before, he's in control now, and he holds the future. And so we don't hold this book as some old-fashioned, good-for-the-day-and-the-time-it-was-written type of thing. God was willing and able to speak through the authors of the Bible, where it made sense in the context of their lives when those words were written. And, but those same words can also speak truth into the context of our lives and our culture today. We have a choice to believe that the entirety of God's word is the authoritative word of our king or it's some made-up fairy tale that's supposed to help us live our lives better. We don't like to be told what to do. But when you live a life that is open to the goodness of the one who has given you the life, who has spoken these words, if you live in that goodness, you don't mind so much when when he gives you a command. Will we believe the one who wrote the word of God or the one who reads it? I beg of you, don't come to a church and expect someone like me to do the work for you. Read the book. Let the words change you. And then that will change your reality. We live in a world that says truth is some inner feeling, subjective feeling, this idea of my truth. And I'm not trying to be combative. I just like to, I think that the word of God is not some meek thing that needs to be defended all the time. It is a weapon designed to bring light into the darkness. It's not embarrassing. It's powerful. And if you want to go down the moral relativism road, I have to ask you, if your truth is defined by how you feel, how often do your feelings change? 
Truth is not something that you feel based on what you want. The Bible says truth is an outside reality and that God reveals it to us. And we either accept it and we are blessed by it or we reject it and then we find out it's still true. So this is the first thing that I want us to learn today, that the word of God is God revealing to us who he is. And the second thing I want us to learn this morning is that God's word and the truth of his word is powerful. When God's people grab a hold of God's word, it will change us, it will change others, and it will change history. Because the word of God can set you free from time and culture. I've said this before and I want to be clear. I love living in our country. I love the freedom that we can enjoy. And I love the blessings that being raised in the United States has afforded me throughout my life. But our country has sold us on a lie. And our God asks us to call this out whenever we see it, but our culture is not one that honors God. It is one where we honor ourselves. We are told that the picture of success is accumulating as many toys as possible before you die, and and that is what it means to live the good life. Not once in scriptures are we told to strive and to seek after that the whole purpose of our life is to live this middle to upper class American version of life, and yet that is what I see the church prioritizing. We aren't called to the good life. We are called to a holy life. And the word of God is the only thing that will correct the false assumptions that we have bought into. And it will set us free. Let's look at verse 44. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. And when when it says that I walk in a wide place, that means that we're free. That the walls aren't closing in on us. We are free to walk around unencumbered by this world. But I want to ask a question and, and be honest. But the thing is, how, how, how many of us have actually experienced freedom when we read the Bible? Instead, we always come to the Bible kind of like, well, what can't I do? As opposed to what does the Bible empower us to do? What the author is pointing out here is that experiencing God's word in its true form, in its full goodness is to experience freedom, not boundaries. I've been in ministry for a while, and so I've talked with and I've counseled many, many different people, and they like the idea of God, but they don't like to surrender the throne of their hearts to him. And I'm sitting here when I'm talking with them, and I'm trying not to condescend them because I want to be patient with them, just like our Lord has been so patient with me. But I want to knock people upside the head sometimes because the world has blinded them. They cannot see the fires in their life for the way that they really are. And I just want to scream out, if you would just let God into your life, give him his spot on the throne, he can start fixing it. He can fix all of it. But for many of us, we go through this life sleepwalking the whole way, never knowing a life that is free from the world's entanglements because we just won't trust the truth of God's word. The 152nd verse of this psalm reads, Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Long have I known your testimonies. Remember this verse when someone tries to tell you that the scriptures aren't relevant anymore. People want to say, well, that's the Old Testament. I don't really need to worry about that because Jesus did away with the Old Testament, right? All I need is Jesus. No, by the grace of God, we don't have to live under the Old Testament laws anymore, but these laws are still instructive for us today so that we can learn from God what it means to be holy and different 
and not consumed by a culture that's going to destroy us. Now, if what I'm saying is right, I'd even say that this is actually pretty simple, but that does not make it easy. It's not easy to live a holy life founded on the word of God. It is incredibly difficult. Jesus himself said that following him would divide families, that he didn't say this out of some insecure thing where it's like, well, you have to, if you want to come after me, you have to hate your father and mother, your brother and sister. That wasn't Jesus saying, I need you to love me so much. Jesus is saying, I know how you're wired. And I know that anything less is not going to work out. The truth is not up for debate. Accepting the truth of God's word will stretch our loyalties, and in some cases, it will tear them apart because we have to align ourselves with truth over lies. And this is incredibly hard, but God never asks us to do anything that we cannot accomplish without his help. Another thing I want to highlight from this psalm today is that the word of God is not just to be considered. These are not things that are just good thoughts that I want us to have. These are things that we need to act on. In verse 29, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And I want us to know this, that the word of God is not helpful for us when we're being tempted and distracted by the world. When hard times come, if we have not been putting the word of God in our mind, in our hearts, in our thoughts beforehand, it's not going to be there for us when we need it. I'm going to put it this way. God cannot, in those tough times, God cannot draw out of you what is not already inside you. And if we want to experience the power of God's presence in our lives, it means that we have to be spending time in his word. And if you want to know God, you have to spend time seeking him day after day. My parents happen to be here today, so I'm going to be picking on them. It's fun. Anyways, uh, because if you, I I want to phrase it this way, because if you came up to me and if you told me that Ken Funk was lazy, uh, or no, sorry, I, don't tell me Ken Funk's faith. Let's say you said Ken Funk has a temper. I would say, well, you don't know the half of it. Um, I think I'm the cause of it. So if you told me that, and if you told me that, you know, uh, Brenda Funk has some kind of weird fascination with uh, pig figurines, I would say, yeah, you don't know the half of it. I think my entire earthly inheritance is going to be some version of pig, pig-themed tchotchkes uh, someday. But if you came to me and then told me, if you tried to tell me that my dad was lazy... I would say, no, immediately. I would say, no, you don't, you don't know Ken Funk. Or if he came to me and told me that, uh, that my mom was dishonest or that she didn't treat people well, I'd be like, you've, you've got the wrong Brenda Funk. It, do you see what I'm saying here? Is that all the time, the world is trying to come up to us and tell us about our God. They're trying to define God for us. And here's, and here's the thing. The church needs to immediately say, you got the wrong God. The church is here supposed to be giving a testimony. The picture that is being painted is that of a God that is some great cosmic buzzkill out there to ruin the party for everyone else on this planet. And the church needs to stand up and say, you don't know my father. We need to point to his word and say, if you don't think God is loving, 
Let me show you how patient and kind he is. If anything, God is too loving because we're toast if he's ever actually fair with us. If you think God's obsessed with punishment, look at Jesus on the cross, taking the punishment for all of our sin. We're not talking about our opinions. We're talking about the word of God who will reveal the will of God to us. We need to dedicate ourselves to the word of the Lord. It's a new year, and I'm willing to bet that some of us have made some sort of resolution about trying to read the Bible, have some you know, daily Bible reading plan to get the whole Bible read in one year. But I want to invite you, don't just read the Bible. Open up the word and let it speak to you. There's a huge difference between studying for a test and studying to know the story. And every word in this book is designed to reveal to us his character. And everything we've looked at so far is great, but so what? What then should we do? Because today is not about believing the right things about God. Because our beliefs don't make us better people. Our behavior does. So how then should we behave in the light of God's truth for today? So there's a couple of action steps I'd like us to take today. And the first is to borrow from the language of the psalm is to unfold the word. In verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I feel like we have no idea the power that is available to us at our fingertips all the time. Between the abundance of physical Bibles available to us today, I mean, seriously, if you don't have a Bible, you can take one with our blessing. We just ask that you actually read it. Uh, But we have Bibles abounding. We also have phones and technology where you can have an app on your phone and a tablet. And I'd venture to say you actually have to work harder to avoid access to the Word of to the word of God than it is to actually open up the book or on your phone or tablet. But it's not just knowing that it's available. It's actually taking the time to open the word to unfold it. Don't let someone like me tell you what the word of God says. Find it out for yourself. Because the message of scriptures, the message of the scriptures is simple. It's repetitive, sure, because we're thick and it takes some time to get it through. But It's also simple, and there's beauty and depth to that simplicity. I don't know if anyone else is uh, like me, but sometimes I've read the same passage of Scripture. And sometimes it's the fifth, it could be the eighth, or it could be the 72nd time that I have read one little piece of Scripture, and something just jumps off the page at me. I've read it so many times before that. And it's because our God knows us. He knows that we can't always handle the pure, unfiltered truth. Sometimes he just lets us take a a sip from the drinking fountain. Sometimes he unleashes the full fury of a fire hose at us because he knows we need to be knocked off our feet. Because whatever it is that we need in that moment, God is going to reveal it to us. God is a loving and careful parent who is guiding you. He's always working to bring you to a place where he can turn our stories of brokenness into stories of redemption, where he is the one who receives the glory. And the second action step today is to store the word in your heart. And this comes from verse 11. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And a common translation as well is that I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And this is hard for us because we are just so distractible all the time. Because I mentioned about the wonderful availability of Scripture that we have been given between books and technology, but what happens when your phone's dead? Or what happens when you're in that dark and lonely place and nothing else can penetrate the darkness, when there's nowhere else to turn? 
Because a line that a mentor of mine shared with me a while ago uh, that has just been ringing truer for me by the day is that when you experience crisis, a crisis really doesn't move you anywhere. A crisis shows you where you're really at. And I've learned in the past year that there is no limit of the ability of Christians, or humans in general, but Christians especially, there's no limit or depth to how much we are able to lie to ourselves. To convince ourselves that everything's perfectly fine when it's not. When a crisis comes, that's when your faith is truly put to the test. What is going to be revealed in that moment when you're exposed? If you have not stored up God's word in your heart, then what's going to come out in those moments is nothing pretty. It's going to show you where you've actually put your trust in. And you're either putting your trust in God or you've put your trust in humans. And good luck with that. Because some of us this morning are struggling because humans have let us down. But as we sang earlier today, our king, not only is he our king, but he is good. And he will never let us down. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will redeem our brokenness. Some of us on this side of death and all of us on another side. So I want to end with a call this morning as the band comes back up and we prepare to sing another song of praise to our God. The call this morning is not to come and to learn more about God so that you can try harder. The call this morning is to surrender. To surrender to the truth and the love and the joy that God has revealed to us through his scriptures. And we don't surrender to get a second chance. We surrender to allow him to make us holy. God is calling to us. He is telling us, I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you. And because of that love, I'm going to change you. I'll be patient. I'll be gentle when you need it. And I'll direct you when you need it. But I won't stop until you are holy. I won't stop until you are mine. Because then you'll have the life that I have always wanted you to have. And the truth is, It's the life that you've always wanted, even if you didn't know it. That's the word of the Lord. That is the one that we serve. And that is why we gather every week to open up the word of God and let him speak to us. Let's stand together.